Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast. You're a one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the director of formation for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And welcome back, everybody, to this week leading up to Sunday, February 12th. Uh, we'll be talking about the gospel for this coming Sunday, the sixth Sunday after the Epiphany. What do we got? Like two weeks until Lent? I know. Man, so next Sunday is the last Sunday after Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah. Are you ready for that? Well, funny story, David. I am so ready for it that actually <laughs> in preparation for today, I prepped Lent three by mistake. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, <laughs> because did. it's the same dates in February and yeah. March when the leader. Yes. I almost um, did the same thing, frankly. Yeah, I was um, chuckling at myself as I was this morning. I pulled everything up to read it through one more time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that's not the gospel you read last week. There you go. See, we would have had a very interesting discussion and very confusing, I'm sure, today. <laughs> You've done that. <laughs> we actually have an exciting throwback uh, ministry context and God sighting. So, Charlie, you want to tell us more about that? Yeah, absolutely. In just a moment, we are going to hear from Deanne Rios, whom Bishop Susan referenced last week while she was here on the podcast with us. And Deanne is going to tell us a little bit about her ministry context and then give us a God sighting. Hello. Thank you for being with us today, Deanne. Listen, Thank you. Listeners, this is my friend Deanne Rios, um, and she is joining us today. Deanne, would you tell us a little bit about yourself or your ministry context? Sure. I work at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church uh, in the University City area, right by the mall. And I also work for the diocese, uh, focused on community engagement, helping churches think about how to engage their neighborhoods, their communities, so that they're partnering with the larger world. Yeah, and that's work that we get to do together. And so in either your life or in the world or in your ministry, can you share with our listeners a place that you've seen God moving? Sure. So I have a friend who was like radically healed this last week. She had a heart attack. She's 54 and she had a heart attack and was without oxygen and pulse for 40 minutes. Oh my she was on in an induced coma. They didn't know if her heart or her brain would recover. And she literally went home last night. Like within a couple days, she was like opening her eyes while she was supposedly in an induced coma and moving her, her hands and it's going to be a road to figure out why it happened, but her son was at her house and never is and was able to give her CPR, call for the ambulance, get her to the hospital, and then many, many, many people were praying and mm -hmm. just posting and kind of like, oh my gosh, like she's so young, she was healthy, we don't know what happened, and she's recovering and it's miraculous. So. That is an exceptionally powerful story. Um, they, all my hair stood on end as you told it. Thank you so much for sharing that yeah, with us. Yeah, And for agreeing to be here and talk about it with everybody. Yeah, so her name is Darcy. She covets more prayers as she continues to heal, recover, and figure out what the heck happened. So hopefully they can prevent it from happening again. How can we learn more about your ministry, either your diocesan ministry or at Good Sam? Yeah, we would love to have you come visit Good Sam, check us out. The diocese, we are just helping people learn how to get to know their neighbors and partner with their neighbors. Like, what does my neighborhood care about? What can we be joining them in? What can we be doing together? Whether that's 
caring for the planet, caring about racism, caring about the elderly, mental health, like anything, whatever it is, like we want to help people think about getting outside the church walls and being part of what's happening in the community. And as you all can tell, um, that recording was live from the Good News Festival back in December. That day was so fun for David and I recording live and then running around and getting people to come and talk to us about both where they saw God in this world and their ministry context. And as Deanne named in hers, she is the community engagement missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And that means a lot of things. And one of the things we like to do on the podcast is provide you links to find out more about what the person spoke about. And Deanne offers a really cool training, which is a community engagement training. And it helps congregations engage with their church, with their neighborhood and community. And it gives them activities and resources to develop a new lens, insight, ideas, or skills. And promotes building relationships with their neighbors so that as they work to engage and create programs together, they really ensure that it is a true partnership. So if you would like to find out more, the information is on edsd.org and we'll provide a direct link in the um, notes from this podcast. Thank you all for sending us your God sightings. You can find all those ways of contacting us listed in the description of this podcast episode. And now we're going to transition to our discussion for this upcoming Sunday, again, February 12th, the sixth Sunday after the Epiphany. Charlotte is going to read the gospel, and then I'll give a very brief context, and then we'll each have a point to share. So the gospel for this upcoming Sunday is Matthew 5, verses 21 to 37. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, You fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on your way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. 
and do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. Wow. All right. And well, Jesus, coming hard. David, yeah. David can, can we just talk about the psalm today? <laughs> <laughs> what is the psalm? Is it something I, nice? Is it someone know, railing against humanity? Ah, uh, happy are they whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Okay, great. <laughs> um, all right. So <laughs> Jesus is really on a roll. Mm-hmm. He is on such a roll that he's just going to keep talking and talking and talking for lots of verses. Matthew has consolidated a whole bunch of Jesus teaching into this chapter five Sermon on the Mount, which we started two weeks ago with the attitudes continued last week with the salt of the earth conversation. And now Jesus is still going talking here about relationships, reconciling, truth-telling, divorce and marriage, and all these things. So I I like to say, as a divorced person who's remarried to another divorced person, I'm with everyone that's listening that is also divorced. Like, we've definitely done this reading before, three years ago. So I think the last time we talked about this reading, I probably talked about this divorce section, so we don't need to revisit it again. But I have thoughts if you, if you want to check those out, go back to this lectionary week 2020, I'm guessing. We are going to talk about a different section, though. Charlotte, you've got the first point. I do. So admittedly, as I was reading all of this, much like you, David, I really struggled with it because Jesus has a lot to say in this gospel, and none of it is easy to listen to. In fact, even reading it aloud you process things differently when you read them aloud than when you read them to yourself. And when you are reading to yourself, you're allowed to kind of skim read the sections that you don't really want to pay attention to. But when you're reading it aloud, you have to like read it all. (laughs) So I'm just going to name the fact that I commend to you all, if you do nothing else, read this gospel aloud and then try to sit with it and think about where you stand with all of the different things that Jesus has to say to us in this. So I wrestled. I I wrestled with the, the gospel this week. I wrestled with the gospel a lot. I felt challenged by it. The words feel harsh to me. And as I read it through, I kept thinking to myself, well, what am I going to talk about? And then I realized that what I'm hearing in this from Jesus, when I look beyond, not past, but beyond the harshness that he is offering is a call to live more fully into our true selves, our authentic selves. And I think that I feel that especially coming on the heels of that gospel that we had just a few weeks ago, where Jesus said that he has come not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Because in this whole section of scripture that we got today, we hear about a lot of different laws. And in each of them, he names one of the laws. And then he says, not this, but this. And he points to something else in it. And so what he is saying in this is, I'm going to use the first paragraph as my jumping off point for it. But he says, You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder. Whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. Yes, no murdering. Legitimate point. 
And what he says, but I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or a sister, you will be liable to judgment. If you insult a brother or a sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. And all of those things to me, they sound more like what we are feeling and how we are processing a wrong that has been done to us than the physical retaliation that is named in the original law. I don't think it's unrelatable for me to be able to say that I really struggle with that, that personally, when someone has done wrong to me, that naming that to them, that going to them and saying, hey, this thing that you did, it made me feel terrible. It caused me to view our relationship differently. And I'm not okay right now. That is something that is challenging for me. One, because I don't like to hurt other people. So even if I have been hurt myself, reflecting that back to someone feels wrong to me. And two, perhaps more than one time in my life, it has ended up that then they say something that implies that it's all my fault anyway. So (laughs) it's hard. It's hard to offer that. And yet that when I choose not to, that then what I am carrying around inside of myself feels twisty. It's a terrible feeling inside where I come back to it again and again, and I'm thinking about that relationship, about the brokenness, the contortion of that relationship, and how I am living into an ongoing relationship with a person that no longer feels authentic. I think that the invitation in this from Jesus is that when you are holding all of those things inside of yourself, when you have let yourself become twisted by pain and heartache that you have felt, that then you are part of the problem too. And I think that we can hold that same level of accountability into all of the different sections of this scripture, because it's not that Jesus is saying that we aren't doing anything wrong, right? Like, He has named the thing that is wrong, but what he is saying is more important than the thing that is wrong is the order in which we are doing things. And so we are allowing the shape of our heart or the shape that our heart has become to become the driving factor in how we relate to each other and how we approach the world. And that if we don't get that right, then it's going to change every interaction for the rest of our lives. All I can think of right now is The Shape of My Heart by the Backstreet Boys, which is one of my favorite songs of all time. You're welcome. <clears throat> you know, just looking back on the things I've done, <laughs> I was trying to be someone, play my part, left you in the dark. And that's what Jesus is really talking about, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, those great theologians, the Backstreet Boys. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> I love being able to kind of interpret like read this through the lens of that inner experience because it makes, I think it helps contextualize and and not so much like soften as if it like takes out the importance of the words, but like soften as in makes them less less harsh and more relatable. These ideas of like, truly I tell you, you will never get out of prison until you have paid the last penny. Uh, and you're you're like being thrown into hell and these things. Like, like you're saying, these are all internal experiences. These aren't like someday when you die, these things are going to happen. 
it's much more of a kind of natural law kind of idea. Like when these things are happening, it's that's Jesus is ex explaining what will happen right now. And the feeling of imprisonment of like bondage being that feeling of like knowing that there is this inauthenticity in relationship, that there's something broken in relationship. And if you're unwilling to either go to a person that you've hurt or to a person that's hurt you, that is going to be a lifelong imprisonment. You're never going to be able to pay off that debt by yourself. That right. is something you can only do with this other person. So you will legit be imprisoned by this thing until you pay the last penny. Well, in naming in that, David, like it's really important to name in it that it's not always about restoration of relationship either. Mm -hmm. It is about your own internal processing and mm -hmm. living in that place, that stuck place, that hellfire, the jail mm -hmm. that we have put ourselves in, because there are some relationships that are not supposed to be restored. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly I don't want anybody to hear me saying that I'm calling them to that or that God is calling us to that because mm -hmm. that's not a safe place for everybody. Yeah. And yet that our work in getting through that in naming the things that we need to name to each other allows us to be healed. Mm -hmm. I mean, the whole thing is about the primacy of relationships that, that like Jesus's primary concern is our relations to one another and, and the wellness and our own wellness and thriving, the wellness and thriving of, of any person. And I think that's also a good lens to interpret these, all of these words through. And I'm struck so much by the same, that same section that you were talking about of like, you know, people accusing one another and, and like, when you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. That would be a crazy idea to say that the, your relationship with another person is more important than your offering at the temple. That's a pretty crazy thing for Jesus to say in this moment, you know, where like offering your gift at the altar has to be the most important thing. And Jesus is like, no, actually, God cares less about your offering than about your relationship to other people. I think also that on an individual level, that act of going to your the person with, with whom you have some sort of conflict is more transformative than offering your gift to God. That that in itself is an, is an offering to God because you're opening yourself up to being more authentic, like you're saying, more authentic self, more authentically in relationship with other people. And when you are your more authentic self and more authentically in relationship with others, you can then be more authentically in relationship with God, more than just like making an offering at the altar. Both are important. Both are vulnerable acts. Both are like a, an act of letting go. But that relational one actually is the more, more important one. And so I was thinking about this idea of transformation. If we do like a little deep dive here into the Greek word for reconciliation, this is actually the only time that this particular word for reconciliation is used. It's just a slightly different word than the other times. Like Paul uses the word reconciliation a lot. Like this is just a different preposition at the beginning of the word, but the, the word is dialasso. It's like a compound word. So the second half of the word lasso is like to change, to be transformed. And the first one dia is like through or on account of, or is like to like complete in some way. So it's like this, the like act of reconciliation is to be transformed through this interaction with another person. 
And so it's not just like squashing a beef. It's not just like deciding, agreeing to disagree and moving on. It is something that you do from which you like leave as a fundamentally different person, a different Mm -hmm. kind of person because of this action that you've taken, because of this reconciling act with another person, which means that every time we have conflict with another person, every opportunity for reconciliation is actually an opportunity for transformation, greater depth of relationship with God and others and self. Because to be changed is not just to be changed in your relationship with the other person, but like I said, to be fundamentally changed as a person. So like you become like a softer, more compassionate, more vulnerable, more open person because of the experience of being reconciled to another. And hopefully they do as well, but you can't control that. The point is that like you said, to go to someone, whether you've been harmed or you've harmed someone else, to go and initiate that conversation is an extremely vulnerable act because you have no idea how that person's gonna respond. The other thing is that except in really extreme situations, I'd say in 95% of times when there's reconciliation required, both people have something to make amends for, which is also really vulnerable because it's much easier to go to someone and say, you harmed me and I didn't do anything. You need to apologize than to say, I, what you did hurt me. And I can also recognize that what I, that I did something that hurt you as well. And I think when we can say that, when we can vulnerably with an open heart, say, have that kind of interaction, there is a real change that happens in us. Like we become capable of more compassion with other people. I think we even become more compassionate to people who have harmed us in the past when we can recognize that we've harmed someone. I just, I love the idea of this word of, it's not just like deciding that we can move on. It's not just apologizing. It's just, it's recognizing that the actual goal, the actual outcome of reconciliation is to be transformed as a person and that you like leave completely changed. I love that, David. I took a bunch of notes. Um, But part of it for me in what you were saying that really connected was that there's always this temptation to sit in our own righteousness. Mm-hmm. the ways that we've been harmed right and like when we sit in our own righteousness there is nothing authentic about that mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and so in order to actually be transformed in order to actually reconcile with people whatever that reconciliation looks like means that we have to be willing to step outside of that place of righteousness mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely like it's much it feels it is a is a defense mechanism. It's much safer to be to be the righteous one. It's much safer to be the victim. It's much safer to be angry than to be sad, you know. And so, uh, but that's just so hard, you know. And I think even if we enter, even if we go to reconcile with a person that's unwilling to admit their own complicity, it is so hard to be open hearted to a person that is like angry at us and unflinchingly angry and unwilling to admit any kind of responsibility. We can still experience that transformation. It doesn't have to be mutual. Yes. We can still be open-hearted. It is really painful. And we probably need a lot of support from all of our people 
uh, in the aftermath of that. But it is worthwhile, even if it feels like you're just like banging your head against a wall to try and to know that you're not going to have the kind of satisfaction that you want, but that something has happened, that you've opened up the, a possibility for something new to become. And, you know, who knows what that interaction, what kind of effects it will have in the future. But you just have to, I think it's always worth trying in whatever way is safe. Yeah, not necessarily that every single uh, experience requires, you know, that kind of vulnerable act, but I think a lot of them will, will be helped by it. Mm-hmm. So those are our two points for this week. Point number one was Charlotte's, and it was about being aware of when we are feeling inauthentic in our relationships, how painful it is to like carry that inauthenticity and tension in relationship with us all the time, and that that's really what Jesus is naming here, and how it is so hard to go name a wrong that has been done to us or that we have done. And then mine followed from that, and it was about how each opportunity for reconciliation is really an opportunity to be transformed into a a different kind of person, a more compassionate, loving, vulnerable, softer kind of gentler person. So having heard those two points, uh, we'd love to hear what your third point would have been if you'd been on the pod this week. Uh, We'd also love to hear any of your questions, comments, or stories from your week of faith discussion and reflection, any of your God sightings. You can find all those ways of getting in contact with us listed in the description for this episode. We will be back next week to talk about the gospel for the last Sunday after the Epiphany, February 19th. Unbelievable. Crazy. And until then, say goodbye. Goodbye, Goodbye, everybody. everybody. So it's funny because when I first read the text, I was like, well, let me just stab myself in the eyeball and not record this.